Welcome, welcome. Right, normally at the start of the podcast, I record an intro separate from the interview. I have a little plug for the website. I have the Team Free W ad. Now, I'm not having any of that today. Um, I've had the sponsors at the start, I'm sure, because that's how the podcast is free. But um, I'm sat here today with Itch, and a a lot of people have requested I have Itch on over the years, and we've been meaning to get get around to it. But um, I want to read a quick quote, which is, is, is stupid, but the definition of insanity, it's the, it's the old Einstein thing. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Now, ignoring that that clearly isn't really the definition of insanity, but it's very up right now. Um, cause we're sat here on Sunday, the 6th of December, four days after David Cameron and his government decided to drop bombs in Syria and less than 24 hours over supposed retaliation to said bombs saw three people stabbed on the tube in in london um and again i i'm kind of being a, a loose on that because there's a good chance it's just some that who happens to have shouted this is for syria at the end so it's hard to say it's directly tied in they're still investigating by the time this this interview comes out they may have, have firmed things up but it felt like now was a time to discuss everything i mean we have arranged to come and talk about king blues reforming which ties into all this but yeah i wanted to just get straight in on this so itch how you doing man doing well doing well um it's good to thank you for having me round i've enjoyed enjoyed's a tough word but i've enjoyed your 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 facebook videos this last week um one on wednesday when um it was announced that the vote had gone through to drop bombs um in 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 syria um and one on friday when you were just talking about the i mean almost or kind of frighteningly talking about the fact that you're now have to or we have to brace ourselves for retaliation and reaction when when that kind of thing happens and you also posted a thing on instagram today of of the cycle of of bombing of we bomb someone that makes them angry they bomb us that makes us angry we bomb them that makes and so on and so forth so yeah, let's kind of discuss some of this and get into it. Yeah, I mean, it was it's it's it's, it's been a mad four days, really, hasn't it? It really of, of has. Seeing it, but at the same time, the the thing that's I guess most shocking to me is that it wasn't that long ago we were going to Iraq for the first time. You know, yeah. essentially, we're we're old enough to remember that now and go, yeah. all right, that was our generation doing that. Yeah, and we we're doing that all over again, and and it's, and it's the exact same mistake. It's, it's mental, bizarrely, a completely different government. Which is even more insane. And again, there's loads of discussion which we can get heavily into on the actual difference between the parties mm-hmm, and, the, and, mm-hmm. and 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 the, and the left of centre, right of centre kind of um, of politics. But yeah, it is fascinating. With um, y- you as the vocalist of King Blues, had a lot of of p- political songs and political dis- d- d- discussion. I always see it's sad when you have something that becomes ever ever relevant the the going to war to, to to stop war is the stupidest thing i've ever seen kind of thing is it comes about again and yeah it it, it is mind-blowing there are um, and, and sorry yeah we collaborated on a song and we talked in that about how m- millions of people marched it, it it of this generation to against going to war yet here we are dropping bombs well, here we are again with the same. That you know, it's so the polls are showing that the public opinion is is against this. It mm. thinks this is a bad idea, but the kind of arrogance of the Tory government just just goes ahead. David Cameron is is to, 
seemingly far more interested in posturing on the world stage, um, being seen as being important during his last term, rather than actually, and, and rather than actually, you know, doing something of worth and doing something wonderful. But that's actually the that's just the psychology of of, of the Tories. That's yeah. that's their way of thinking, which is different to mine, and one I can't really understand because I feel it comes from a place of no feeling, of no love, of no humanity, and and just from a place of fear and wanting to get power and to yeah. me that's kind of what where politics is right now and it's, i think politics should be about helping people trying to make the world a better place trying to sort us out so we can live together harmoniously yeah but the the fact that it's just it's fear the only people who have anything to gain from this is the islamic state from recruiting people yeah and as we see the islamic state you know that mentality isn't just in Syria. That is, mm-hmm. it's a world. It's a mentality of people all around the world. As we've seen on the weekend. There's someone in London, and yeah. you know the the seven seven bombers had passports for here. The, it, it's 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 an ongoing thing where where you can't bomb an ideology. Essentially, you can't no. bomb an idea. Um, and if every single person in Islamic State is in Syria, for, for, you'd have to wipe out the entire country. It, it's just there's no end game. There's no real plan. Um, there is oil involved, um, yeah. and, and and so I think that there's where oil we are, we're seeing and there's and there's 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 weapons money involved as well. Is, it feels exactly like another thing. Say, there's another, there's the, the other beneficiaries and, yeah. are the arms companies, yeah. you know, and and they have a lot more power than people think. It, it just seems worryingly more transparent. This, like, it doesn't even seem as hidden this time. Like the speed of which we've gone, it, it seems very much right. This is clearly, as you said, Cameron. Number one, wanting to have his legacy, which again is bizarre when you think of the last person that tried that was Blair, who's universally despised. Really, it's not like it's it's not like he's got his fan base. Really, it's generally everyone on either side isn't a mm. fan of, of of Blair, or it seems to be. So it's bizarre to me. But that, it also that that would Blair be, will also his have his place his in the history books, whereas John Major won't, for instance. Yeah, yeah. And, and he'll, when, when you're a war pres, uh, prime minister or leader, you're, you're yeah. suddenly of importance. You're suddenly yeah. in the history books. And that's kind of pathetic. <laughs> it's really pathetic. It's really pathetic. And again, it's at a time when, to me, it feels you could get in the history books b- better ways. We've got tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of... And again, there's posters all around London with government support to help the refugees, refugees yeah. from Syria. At this, at, on the very same day, you can walk on the tube now and see a poster that says that we're doing our bit to help and please donate and the government is a government-supported and backed charity of a country that we're b- bombing. They're asking for our money to help the people that they're spending our money our tax to money bomb on. Yeah. already it's like it's 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 insanity it's surely. unbelievable double speak and I, I i think it's a very thin veil um the, the the propaganda that they're spreading in order to get these ideas across that look we need to bomb them and and i think it never kind of fails to surprise me how easily people fall for it but i think especially as british people we have this innate feeling that actually our leaders know better. Yeah. Actually, we still have a real family. It's yeah. to, to, to Americans that is so laughable. Yeah. And when yeah. I go over there and they take the piss out of me. Do you know what I mean? For having I'll, a real I'll family. I always remember a, a Doug Stanhope bit, um, a, a great comedian. I remember him coming over and saying he struggles to do his set since Bush got out of, of office. Cause he's like, they used to be half of my set was coming mm-hmm. in and being ashamed to be an American and laughing at Bush and coming to England and, and you all chastising me and me having to attack Bush and show you that we understand. 
And then I remembered that you live in a fairy tale and you have kings and queens <laughs> and princes. And, and it's literally princes and princesses. It's like, literally, that's though. literally what we have. That's mm. literally. So again, yeah, it is that weird world that people we live in. People who are in. born into it, you know, the House of Lords. It's people who are just born un- yeah. unelected and just born into power. Yeah. It's, it's a very strange thing that we accept as, as a society that actually we think, oh, well, the rich and the powerful actually know best what's best for us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing as well as you said um the the thinner the veil is getting um it feels that the politicians at this point are becoming even less um scared of any response or and or or having to be accountable It, it, it kind of feels like they this one in particular the speed with which they voted and bombed made me kind of feel like they really don't give a shit what the public They think. don't care. They really aren't scared He's on his anymore. last term. He doesn't yeah. care. He's on his way out. Now Now it's just... The idea that they're going to listen to a, a, a non-violent protest uh, is unbelievable. There was a feeling yeah. when we first went to Iraq. I was there at all those protests and there was a feeling when two and a half million came out on the street that we might be able to stop a war. Yeah. And there was that. And this time it's almost like this is just for show now. Do you think anything big has changed with the rise of kind of internet activism since then and now um, and something that strikes me a lot that you see now and it's a weird one to attack at a time like this but I've always I've become increasingly uncomfortable with the hashtag or post of, of not in my name because it feels like um, it's to me it feels almost becoming like a washing your hands of it like rather than taking any actual action it's saying not in my name it's like well, no, it is in your name, unless you stand, you know, unless right. you actually stand up and it, it is, you can write on your Facebook wall, not in my name, the British are bombing Syria with British tax money. If you are British and you pay your taxes, it is in your name. It you is, can't yeah. say it's not in my name because that, it, it definitely, you know, it, mm. I don't have to make that any clear. It definitely um, fucking is in your name. It's yeah, it's yeah. a really weird one. So un, un, unless there's some kind of actual greater action which again i don't know what the answer is i don't know if it's it's as as when we had a carla on and and killing if it is it is a violent protest or violent response or violent action or peaceful protest or peaceful protest on a, a scale so huge it's unignorable i don't know what that could be or how that could be i i, I think i'm torn on that i think you know the idea of violent versus non-violent protest to me you can't be violent to a building or that, yeah. that symbolism violence is against people yeah. violence is is poverty violence is, is police battering people anyone who's been to a quote-unquote violent protest We'll know that 99% of the time it's started by the police, that mm-hmm. that violence really is. Um, and, and there are agent provocateurs and, you know, a lot of police cars get wheeled out and then torched and so the press can be there. And, and a lot of it's for show and agent provocateurs are, are something that's well documented throughout yeah. history. And yeah. to think that we don't have them now is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, At a time when we're so... Um, C- cerebral with the use of the press and the use of propaganda, the f- the the idea that there wouldn't be people igniting and inciting things to go. Over. In fact, it's 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 the bit that's most mind blowing about our reaction in the in the bombing. And this is going to sound really weird, but it makes me think of back when I was a teen and I used to watch a lot of wrestling. I still watch some wrestling now, but I always remember that have certain matches where you've signed to have your fight at this event in a month. And you can't touch each other between now and then. And the one that knows that will, will be antagonising them and trying to get them to punch them. And it's kind of exact... But they, they're always... Obviously, everyone knows the stupid thing to do would be to punch them because that's what they want you to mm-hmm, do. But mm-hmm. with um, ISIS, killing 
hundred or or whatever people in Paris, that's not actually them trying to win the war. That's them trying to engage a reaction right. to then create more hatred and show the West to be the demon that they're portraying the West to be. Um, and it's kind of it's it's, it's 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 that weird thing. It seems insane that we seem to just go ahead with that. So now now we're are dropping bombs and will be killing innocents. Um, Absolutely. Because again, there's, there was a great example of um, a friend of mine, Rich Sandlin, put on uh, on on Facebook, um, pointing at a block of flax and say, someone in there is selling drugs. So what we're going to do is go and knock on every door and punch them in the face because then we'll definitely get, get the, dealer. the drug dealer. Right, right. And they're like, well, what about all the innocent people that you're punching in the face? Like, but we're going to get the drug dealer. And it's it's that would be insanity. But again, that's what we we do essentially here is go we need to get them because they're they're the enemy right well there's i mean to me there's an emotional response is is essentially not normally a good idea no um you know unless your emotion comes from a place of love and a place of wanting to help people that i that i get but uh, something coming out of revenge of fear Mm -hmm. it's like we're grown-ups can can we not step back and go okay this probably isn't what's best for the world probably more revenge going back and forth isn't going to benefit us and so using the Paris attacks as as an excuse to to finally go to war I I, I don't believe that Cameron was that greatly affected by it that he thought well now I need to Again, Get one back for the boys. It's the classic, the waiting for a decent excuse, as we saw with 9-11 and right. things like that when we went into Iraq, which was nothing to do with 9-11 mm-hmm. and, and things like that when it's that, it's that smoke screen. Um, another, again, I'll talk about <laughs> some of this in next week's uh, a review podcast, but um, Rob Alton, a spoken word. And again, this is all stuff that was said before we've agreed to bomb, I think, was saying we... we and again, it's quite. It, it was quite beautifully and simplistically put. It's like we we voted many years ago to not have the death penalty in England. How is killing people abroad any different from the death penalty? That's that saying. You've done something. You now deserve to die. We don't have the death. We don't. It's the death penalty point. isn't part of our society. Mm. That's something that we've moved away from. Yet, this is the death penalty. This is saying. This has happened. You must die now. And and again, not even a specific. It's it's the dehumanisation of it. I guess it's it's painting this scary enemy rather than individuals. It's saying mm. we need to get them the scary enemy, the scary threat. And yeah, well, that divide and conquer is always very strange. That's a, that's a great point you made. And 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 for the record, look, we are both against the Islamic State. I think yeah. we can speak for that. Again, I think that goes 100%, without saying. We are not defending the actions or trying to to, to anything like that. But not talking at all. about not at all talking yeah. about tactically. What is right in order to make the world a better, safer place, in order for everybody to get along, rather than just for the arms race to benefit? Mm-hmm. Um, bombing, you know, extending the zone to Syria is, is not a good idea. It, it's not going to. It's as we've seen on the weekend. We've seen an attack, and like I said earlier, we don't know all the full details. But somebody shouting "This is for Syria" is mm-hmm. a pretty good pointer. Yeah. Um, and and as said, is is that thing either way of. I mean, f- my gut instinct is this probably isn't a planned and scheduled 100%. reaction from ISIS, but it is someone re- directly reacting to these bombs. But what and is ISIS? Again, if it is just an ideology, then essentially that is a member of ISIS who's also yeah, a Londoner. I mean, as you uh, as you stated, the passports of these people f- f- for the 7-7 seven, seven bombings for these, it's, it's all about, in many ways, recruiting a, a within the country or... Mm-hmm. Of recruiting worldwide, and again, it's worth also adding to strengthen. Again, I 
you've made a great point there that we should highlight that we're very much against ISIS and in no way it simplifies <laughs> that. But the the great point there is the the I think over fifty percent of the killings ISIS have committed have been in Syria. Well, this is in, it. You know, that's 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 we there are Syria are against ISIS as much as we are against ISIS. That's 100%. why we've got all these people fleeing and one hundred percent. No, I'm you know, in, in, missing in limbs, missing all sorts of stuff. That we're kind of panicking, going, we probably shouldn't let them in in case they're terrorists. It's like it, it's again, it's such a it's it's part of me feels a lot of it comes down to that terrible day many many years ago when the the term the war on terror was invented because mm. that was suddenly this war on a non specific thing that can go on forever this is the it's war on ending. drugs you know it's never it goes ending. On so exactly an endless it, it, war is no one is, actually wants a war on drugs you can't have a drugs war in a word <laughs> all of us and, right right and, and, and look at you know it's stupid a war on terror it's like i love roller coasters right, i don't right. want to i don't want to get it rid of roller coasters sense. there's points where terror is a fantastic thing but it's this fictional non specified thing that this war on terror and equally the fact that in there's no I believe it's still the case. There's no actual drawn up or strict terminology for the word terrorism in in law. There's not a set guidelines. And the reason for that would be terrorism is always decided by the people who are, are, are the victims of the act. So in, in Syria, they probably look upon a lot of our actions as terrorist attacks. Everybody's terrorist someone's actions. bad guy. Yeah, you know? exactly. And again, even more, you've got to start to wonder if you're possibly the bad guy when you're doing the same thing as Putin's doing who, right. we, who for years we've we've put as this allies almost right now. Disney villain we've had <laughs> Putin as this he's not a Bond villain or literally a Bond but villain he is, that's yeah. the definition he's there he's got his thick accent he's intimidating and Russian and scary and he rides horses All with his shirt back, off and yeah. stuff like that that's our ally right now. That's our ally. And, 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 and we're still going under any illusion that we're the good guys in this situation. It's, precisely. And, and it's just confusing. the fact that, that uh, Assad has been trying to bomb ISIS for four years, yeah. got nowhere. You've got Russia, America going in. Us going in is, 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 is purely to, to cozy up with Obama and put our arm around him and go, mm-hmm. look, we're, we're, we're a player too. Yeah. That's just ego. You can't bomb a country really for ego. ego and insecurity. And I, I, I find it all the more intriguing and curious at the moment that we're doing that. And it, it was the same last time. We seem to end up buddying up with America when we've got opposite um, governments in. They currently have true, a yeah. left government and we have a right government. Mm. And previously, when we had a left government, they had a right wing government or leaning right whatever you want to say it's bizarre that these that we still seem to be this we still we love america so much that they've got the opposite on board or it, or, it would almost it highlights the, case the fact that, that they're all the same yeah frankly, there's no, yeah yeah there's it's the yeah it's the grayness of the of our current political system yeah essentially you know the arms companies are going to win either way essentially yeah. the, the 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 huge drug companies the huge corporations that really are pulling the strings are, are what's governing us yeah yeah it's 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 terrifying. What do you, what if any do you? I mean, let's just. It's easy to attack the Tories. They're an easy target. In fact, let's do that a bit more. No, no, it's an easy. Target, but what do you see as any? Do you have anything in mind of a reaction? It's it's kind of too early to say, really. But of a reaction or of a solution or of a better choice, it's kind of. It sounds really hippie, and I'm against that shit to say the kill them with kindness type thing, but. When you're fighting an enemy that wants you to appear to be a violent reactionary villain, I mean the initial 
a reaction of the French that they were all, no, we we won't be scared by this. They then they continued to party. They were dignified. They they showed love and compassion. You'd every interview I saw with a French person was showing love and compassion, saying, "You won't win. You won't break us." That seemed like a genuine like. ISIS can't be watching that going, yeah, we've got, like, right. you know, they're going to be going, fuck. Whereas Absolutely. they look at us going, putting on our, our villain hat and pressing buttons I mean, on bombs. And you surely- think of the, the uh, of how art twisted our press is here. Yeah. In Syria, I'm sure the oh, press is pretty, yeah. pretty twisted. And you've got bombs coming in, killing your friends, killing your, you know, blowing up your schools, your hospitals. This is, um, the people are going to be recruited pretty easily. And if yeah. we think that everyone is super intelligent, it's going to read through all the lines that that's not going to happen. Just look at our own country. Look how mm-hmm. easily people fall for propaganda, yeah. how easily people are pushed towards fairly extreme views that really don't make much sense when questioned. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously that's going to happen in, in Syria. There are going to be more and more recruits, but not just there. That's going to be a worldwide thing. There are people all around the world who will sympathize more and more with these causes. And so it really is just going and poking a wasp's nest right now. Um, so when we talk about solutions, that, that's very difficult. And I think that the West doesn't have solutions for the East right now. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that that's one of the biggest problems that for the past, you know, what is it? 12 years we've been at war now, something like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's, We've made Iraq a far more unstable place. It's still, it's on fire. The Middle East is... It'd be so different if we had solid results from previous things. But the fact is, each time we've intervened and when there's been um, the Arab Springs uprisings and these Mm. kind of things and all sorts of different things that we've either funded or backed or helped in some way, then stepped away or stayed in, none of them have turned into these wonderful, thriving, suddenly Western-like utopias. They're all... They've fallen apart all the more. So even if we don't necessarily have a solution, we've kind of learnt what doesn't work. Yeah. And and what not only what doesn't work, what doesn't work and kills a lot of people. What kills a lot of people. I mean, there's so many sides to this. As you say, we've learnt what doesn't work. We've learnt what is going to kill a lot of innocent people uh, essentially for no reason. Mm. And also... It costs a lot of money to go to yeah, war. Yeah. And I thought we didn't have any money. Do you know what I mean? I mean all that's one of the biggest <laughs> points that, that people are saying on this, on all the the whole of the of the coalition and now of the Tory run has been, we need to make cuts, we can't fund the NHS, we need to get rid of, we can't help. Even, even with the refugee thing recently, so many just of the general public, well, we can't afford to, Absolutely. to help them, we can't afford to save them. And... Yeah. To say it cuts is to it, the disabled. Is it 100 million for each? For, for the bombs. The, to, I, to, I read a statistic the other day that the, the, one of the, the bombs that came from, I forget the name of it, but it would, it, it's enough to, to home all the homeless people in London, yeah. you know, for, and that, that's, that's pretty mental. That's yeah. like, why are we, why are we doing it? Where are our priorities? Um, and that's, it's kind of enough to make me, pre- make you pretty angry. And, yeah, it's it's a very strange thing where we suddenly have all this money to go to war. We suddenly have money to take out these huge contracts with Lockheed Martins and, and people like that, but we can't we can't afford to just just for symbolism, just for mm. well, we should do something about it. We can't just sit back and do nothing. Yeah, there's no end game. If there was an end plan of okay, we're gonna you know um, we're gonna get rid of ISIS, then we're gonna replace Assad or whatever it may be. But there's there's yeah. really no goal at the minute. And I, I don't believe that. I believe there is a goal. But they're yeah, not telling us what it it's is. It's not a goal that we get to be involved. We in don't get to be involved in it, and it's a goal that will involve a lot of oil leaving the country. Um, but 
yeah, it, it, it's very bizarre to me that we're accepting, so accepting that, yeah, okay, we, we'll, we'll do it for the, we, we can afford it right now. It was fascinating. I mean, I was watching the news, um, I think it was last night or this morning. No, it was this morning. It was the, uh, no, it was, it was late last night, so early this morning. And completely unrelated, but one of the news stories, completely un- unrelated to these attacks, to, to the bombs, was the fact that, um, Craft, who owned Cadbury's, who taken over Cadbury's, um, in the last year, have had to pay z- zero tax, but have made two two billion um, since their 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 acquisition. So have made, I think it's profits of two billion and paid out dividends to their owners and shareholders mm. of one point two billion, and not paid any tax. So again, you start to say, in in a way, even though I'm there's other reasons I'm against the bombings, I'd kind of say, well. If you're going to get the money from that from from these people that you're not taxing, and again, I, I've I've kind of pissed people off on here before, like with Amazon and numerous others, is I I'm not mad at Amazon and I'm not mad at Craft. The fact is, when I was gr- growing up and I did a bit of cash in hand work or whatever, growing up in Essex or South London, you do anything you can to avoid tax. That's that's natural. See, I'm, I'm, I'm different. I'm, I'm mad at the loopholes. I'm mad at the loopholes. I'm mad at the stuff that's around, and particularly when it's people like Craft or Amazon who weren't f- formed in the UK. So if there's if there's a set up there to allow them to not give us millions and millions or billions in this case, then that's that's kind of we've built and we've engaged in um a capitalist society. That's the society we've built and we all tend to support and even if it's not verbally we support f- physically in the stuff that we own and buy. So it's tough to then turn around and say no, but they should have the have the good morals to. I'm quite torn to on it. I'm quite torn on that one with, when it comes to taxes because I read an interview with Jay Z once where he said, "Well, I come from the streets. I don't mind paying my taxes. I yeah. always pay my taxes because I know it goes back to helping the people." Yeah. And so I'm kind of like, well, I was born a working class kid. I I, I also believe if I pay my taxes, yeah. essentially it's going to go back into community services. Yeah. That are gonna, and I don't mind helping that. Yeah. But it's not right now. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's going into... I mean, that's it. I'm, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, exactly the same now, but I still feel there have been points in my life when I'm a bit skint or like, particularly growing up, I said where I would, you'd finding loopholes to avoid paying taxes or stuff that you can write off as tax deductible that's part of the game yeah that's if you're not an it. artist if, you, if you're a business a corporation yeah. that, that is that is your goal yeah, it's, yeah. Make, earn it's, as it's, much profit as possible got as many people it. out there as possible to make sure they can do that so it, I'm mad at the loopholes that allow that Absolutely. and that and, and the, and the write them off and again it's this Tory government or again it's tough to in fact we need to again it sounds like we're a load of of, 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 of pandering uh, lefties here uh, a, a lot of Labour um, uh, members voted to drop the bombs as well. This isn't this isn't just a Tory thing. That's this is this went. is this is the whole this is the whole of the government here. This isn't this isn't just a all the Tories are evil. It's like well, there's a lot of people that have, in my opinion, have got have got the wrong got, outlook. Absolutely, right and but the Labour Party is is what is that at the minute? It's very torn. It's hugely torn. It's interesting. It's it's the most interesting it's been. I think. Um, it's much relevant in my going on with Corbyn. Yeah, it's really and again I don't I don't know how I feel on it. I'm not I don't discuss politics on here an awful lot anymore. I discuss I discuss social issues in society. I don't discuss politics so much because I don't believe in our current political system, so it's kind of it's an alien thing to me to to, to, to discuss. I had major issue when people and again I've probably mentioned this numerous times, but I had issue when people um were furious after the elections. Um because I kind of felt you should have been equally furious before the election. Right. You know, right. you, you can't you can't get angry when 
the system that you were supporting doesn't go your way. Do, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If, if, if you were there going, this is our one, we're going to get what we want. And then when you don't get what you want, go, the system's broke. So it didn't break right, overnight. Right, right, it right. was already broken. So there's my kind of anger there. But it, I mean, that's again, that's irrelevant here because that's kind of just my reason I don't get too into my political beliefs because I'm not looking to, to fight with anyone over this. I still think, I think Corbyn is the most exciting and interesting at the moment. He's had some, at least there's someone that's talking like there is such thing as a left-leaning party. It you gives know, it's, it's, changed. To it's it. been a while. It's been a while it's been a since long time. it's actually existed. And I think Corbyn's an interesting one for me. We had, you know, he was sampled on our, on our first record. And, yeah, um, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it just on our, on our intro and, and just as a... We went to him direct and he was like, of course you can use it. Whereas That's fantastic. George Bush's people obviously didn't. And we yeah. had to get a George Bush impersonator into the studio to, oh, wow. to do it. But um, he, he, I, I, I back Corbyn. In t- uh, I mean, it's hard for me to say. I've never voted in my life. And I've got received a lot of st- slack for that. Yeah. And I think this time will be the first time that I ever do vote. Do I think he completely represents my ideology? Absolutely not, not in any way. But do I think if he gets in, is there now a real alternative? Could there be... We go back to unions are stronger. There's more um, affordable housing being built. is isn't half a million. There's, there's yeah, real council yeah. housing coming back. Um, I think we have to stop this war on gentrification um, pretty soon. And I think it's, it's a new thing that's happening, especially in my city that I've seen. And I think Corbyn could have a real difference on that. Yeah. So just on a, on a kind of local level, um, I really back him. On, on the world level, I think the fact that that we went to a war essentially, in my eyes, because as you say, the Labour Party split and, and got that majority over. Yeah. And that's that's really disappointing and that's also really worrying. And to think that Obama, for instance, when he got in, I think he's probably a lot more left-leaning than he's allowed to be. Mm-hmm. But the people around him drag him back to centre. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I think that's going to be a problem with Corbyn. I don't think it's going to be a perfect government. Yeah. Um, but I think it's going to be a lot more left-leaning than the centrist thing that we've had for I think my my entire lifetime yeah, really yeah. in this country yeah. so it's exciting and again I think you, everything that we've been saying there about the Tories at the moment is it's happening on both sides I think they're going as right as they've been in a long while mm. they're, they're being able, they're not masking it so much and not being as cloak and dagger as obviously they're still hiding their you know inherent a racism and, and hatred of, and, of yeah. poor people but you know we won't go into that, that too much but yeah if if nothing else, it excites. And it, again, as much as I'm against our current political system, it excites me that there is starting to become a genuine difference and a genuine divide, and and, a, and an argument to be had. And it's interesting with the Corbyn stuff because people say, "Well, he can't win." And at points, n- number one, no one can win until you all get involved and, and make that happen. But number two, there's certain fights that it's not necessarily about winning; it's about Absolutely. fighting for what you believe in and. It feels that there's there's someone there that yeah I don't know there was a point where everyone just felt Obama would there's no chance or or, or people didn't totally. think Corbyn would have a chance of, of getting in, in 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 as the leader coming so it's like well well it's interesting know. what we're seeing now and 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 I think as we touched upon earlier with with sort of internet activism mm-hmm. as opposed to old school on the street I'm yeah. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a throwback because yeah. I've, I've spent my time on the front lines and yeah. and so I'm sort of like well you guys need to do that too yeah. but at the same time. In my lifetime, I've seen internet activism change from somebody yeah. just moaning about it on the internet to Anonymous to Egypt to um, uh, Occupy and all these things yeah. springing up because of it. And we've seen the newspapers really try and smear Corbyn um, every step of the way. 
and the public, and it may just be my friends because it is hard to get a real idea of what the public yeah, is on yeah. your social media. Um, but the public seems to have kind of seen through it. And every yeah. time they do that, it seems to backfire a little bit. And, that, and that's an interesting thing to me about internet activism and yeah, where it's, it's gone. It's interesting. I'm, I get confused. I'm, I, I, I can't get a read on the press at the moment because I can't tell how much is there just really flagrant bias and propaganda and slander and how much is is clickbaiting because mm, you know the daily mm. mail what for it was fascinating to read that i think there was i think it was this year they've become the biggest news a website in the world it's crazy the people you see sharing daily mail actually stories. the biggest on there in the world and i would say a huge percentage of that of the visits and everything else is people furious at the stupid shit that they say it's why they have such right. people on this right. so I think there's a level of that as well where it's not even this oh we're going to try and sway people we're going to go man this is going to put our traffic through the roof and they'll, and they'll say these slanderous you know? stupid things j- 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 just for that and we all and we all jump onto we all it because it. we love it's, to it's, it's the X Factor I've always argued that I can't hate on the X Factor because from a business point of view it's amazing because on a Saturday night Half the nation will sit down and love it and think it's the best thing in the world. And the other half the nation will sit down and just be online hating about it and saying how sh- sh- shit it is. All of them are watching it. Mm-hmm. And you don't get different advertising money for who's enjoying it and who's right, not enjoying it. it. You get it for every click and everyone, every tweet on social media that's making it the top trending thing every week in the Absolutely. world. It's like it's, it's, it's a Katie Hopkins it's a mas- Yeah, it's a masterful bit of marketing because it's like, right your fans will push you, your enemies will push you even further. And it's, I think that's kind of, I, I feel that's the way a lot of the, the press is leaning now. Cause it's very true. As long as you get a click on it, you get your advertising money and, yeah. and that's, that's it. So yeah. and, very and, interesting. And, and, and how many of your, again, it's, I do think it's important on social media to try and open your circles a bit and see, know your enemy, essentially see what the right are talking about, see what all different people are talking about. But how many people with a similar mindset of you share, positive left-leaning stories and how many share ones that are moaning about the what the vast majority saying. is the moaning exactly yeah exactly. so it's, again it's not really the the, the money is going to be because the people on the right are generally posting britain first stuff and supporting their stupid views the people on the left are posting britain first stuff and That's slagging it. off this yeah, yeah. the people on the right aren't generally posting stuff from the guardian and hating on it they're more folk it's, it's weird very true, very they true. seem to be more up for supporting what they believe in and the left side seem to be more up for hating. attacking on the other side. <laughs> well, like, left also attack themselves so very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, uh, yeah, we're yeah, classic yeah. for that. Absolutely yeah. classic for that. And I think that's going to be a real problem that Corbyn runs into, for instance, yeah. because we're going to go, oh, but is he left enough? And I'm more left than you. And, and then we get people going for, no, we're going to be green because I'm yeah. more hardcore than you. And, and yeah. rather than going, let's band together and, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. try and do something. Yeah, we because do we divide shoot ourselves in the yeah, yeah. And that's, again, that's what a lot of people say is how how it became completely a, a Tory government rather than a coalition, I think, because of the divide and conquer, because there was su- suddenly more realistic options on the left, which meant there was more, which meant... Me, as a, as a protest right. singer, for instance, have been attacked, not physically, I mean, yeah. physically attacked by the right more, but def- certainly like attacked um, online and whatever, way more by my own team. Yeah. Way yeah. more. Yeah. And, and it held to the count way more by my own team. And it's almost like... It's some, it's some, I, I had to take a break from politics because, for one reason, it was it, I just thought it was, it was too depressing like, to constantly be thinking about it, and I needed to take a break break yeah. from it. But also, it was like my own team are, are trying to tackle the ball off me all the time, yeah. and yeah. you know, I was like, "This is 
Just give them the ball. Where do I go? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, 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 let's get on to, on to music and everything. Let's start though with your kind of upbringing and and how you came up, what music you got into, and again, it's kind of it's quite a storied and and, and discussed thing of time of your different experiences right. at, at, at levels of society. So, right. so, so, yeah, where did you kind of start off and start getting into music and, and things well, like I that? Well, I mean, I grew up with just um, in South London. Yeah. Um, I was moving every sort of six months. My mum, um, I was in a single-parent family, the yeah. classic kind of thing. Yeah. My mum was um, uh, Eurasian. Um, and so I, I was, like, you know, born, literally born in the Estates and yeah. um, in my bath and all that. And so yeah. I, and, and it was fine, but I moved around a lot as a kid. But my first musical like awakening yeah. was definitely Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing yeah, yeah. it so easy, hearing him say, "I see you standing there. You think you're so cool. Why don't you just fuck off?" Yeah. And I was like, "What? Why isn't he in prison for swearing?" Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, the most yeah, yeah, rebellious yeah, yeah. thing I'd ever heard in my yeah. life. And um, I remember this. I remember um, getting the ring, the big rant in, yeah, in, in right, getting the ring right. was like. When you're 15, it's like, that's oh really cool. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> I remember that was on, the first one here was Appetite. And I think I was I was probably about eight at the time. Yeah. And it was truly mind-blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, truly mind-blowing. But I mean, my first um, real, you know, discovery in the punk rock, I was, I was it's sort of well documented, I was kicked out of home when I was 13 and yeah. um, ended up living with a group of, of Spanish punks mm-hmm. who spoke very broken English. Yeah. And we were just squatting in Clapham Common. We had yeah. a, a big, big old place in Clapham. It was brilliant. Um, and I'd, you know, obviously I'd stopped going to school at this point and, and that was my real musical education yeah. of like, it was also a political education. It was also, um, okay, there's a, there's an alternative world out there. Yeah. I don't need to follow these lines that are laid out for me, these lanes. I can, I can go and do my own thing. And so that was really a, a life changing moment. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's huge to suddenly f- or essentially find yourself thrown into the fire in that way. And whether that be in a, a social manner of being like, right, I need to survive now. I need to be in amongst this, but then also being su- suddenly surrounded by people who, are, who, who I'd imagine were mainly older. And, Absolutely. And had their musical knowledge and the punk scene always, uh, particularly at that point had its political, it was, it was Massively. politically I mean, driven, this was you know? free green day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. was, it was a different thing. It was really a hangover from crass and those, yeah. those sort yeah. of bands. Yeah, 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 so yeah. the punks were essentially, pretty much ho- it was like a homeless subculture yeah, yeah. of alcoholics and junkies and, yeah. and and it was it was a it was a much different scene than it is now and yeah, i think that yeah. scene definitely still exists um on an underground level but punk as a whole it wasn't like an, ex- an accepted thing that yeah. it is now and when yeah. green day broke that changed everything yeah yeah but um C- completely yeah it was a, it was definitely like hanging out with bigger boys and being pretty scared but also they became my family and it was uh, before I'd met them I was living literally on the streets yeah. and as a as a really I was small I'm small now do you know what I mean but as, I was small for my age then yeah. and so being on the streets of Soho at the time was a very dangerous place to be the you know the 90s were a different time they were yeah. a much more violent yeah. time than it is yeah. now um, society as a whole was a lot more violent there were a lot more weirdos about uh, or it just seemed that way you know um, yeah I agree and it's, it was weird as well because I remember just going to it was weird I went to a gig the other day and I stood there with my mate uh, Warren and we were in a in a little a balcony because I'm old as fuck now and I can't be asked to, to get in the, the mosh pit and shit like that and we, we were kind of looking down and just saying this is the, the safest crowd I think I've ever seen. And I remember punk gigs in the day, not just the mosh, but there was, and again, it's a different, 
a violence to what you're talking about, but there's still that bubbling. There was genuinely a violence in there. It was a friendly violence, but genuinely I would go into mosh pits and come out with a bloodied nose right, or, right. or bruises or things like that. But fine with that. That was yeah, kind of, it, it, was, it was it was a more accepted violence. And I think that's a reflection of, not that that's related to any spilling over violence, but a reflection of the level of violence in time. London in the streets at that time was a it was more of a dangerous it's weird place, right isn't it, it? I so. remember you you wouldn't go out without getting into a fight if you yeah. if you saw someone coming down the road and you clocked eyes it was yeah. going to happen yeah. and yeah. you know that that's just how how London was yeah um so being I, I, I was essentially you know very vulnerable well, south in particular I guess again it's it's a weird one that south is becoming s- s- such a uh, uh, an a uh, a centre of culture and all sorts of other things. As the it's estates changing. that we grew up in that we were like ashamed to invite our friends back to. Yeah. And now like worth loads. Yeah, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's really I, weird. I always remember just going to gigs in, in Brixton and being genuinely, you'd, you'd be a bit nervous. Yeah. You'd be a bit, let's get there. And once we're in the queue, we're all right. But other than that, you are, you, you were on edge and that's, absolutely again that's not a, it's it's weird that we're talking about it's sad that those days are gone it's kind of it is weird really isn't it? be a bad yeah, thing no, it it's weird. not as scary anymore but yeah that's just an illustration of what of, of times of what have changed was like now, and, and, yeah yeah i think we've we've, we've violent behavior has is, is, is ceased to be as, as acceptable as it was so i kind of feel as as the 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 threat will have made greater strong stronger bonds of unity in in those in those kind of situations and again the punk scene was so a uni based then but as as scary as a lot of it must have been at the time it must be something that you value hugely for again your education of 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 life and and just of knowing how to deal with things and and have have your wits about you having that time where you were literally on the streets and literally having to yeah 100% I think everything that I've sort of went through as a kid and I had a pretty shitty childhood if i'm being honest yeah. but i think everything that i went through as a kid i now in older life has, has made sense to me as to why i went through that struggle and not to be too spiritual or whatever about yeah. it and uh, but but i i do i do think it's given me a greater empathy for the underdog mm-hmm. um it's given me a greater empathy just for human beings in general and um and to realize that there are there are a lot of parts of society that are overlooked um and and, and i think that's why i'm passionate about politics i think it's it's sort of, it's sort of no coincidence to me yeah um, and I, I think it'd be foolish to pretend it were um and i i think that i i'm aware that i have to a middle standing person very extreme views sometimes mm-hmm. and i but i i do i do think they're justified and but i, I know where they come from and it, and it comes that's from this it. i think the the roots there are essential for i mean you've then Again, f- f- from that first day onwards, I'd imagine you've then started to educate yourself further and further on politics, on on action and reaction. And I think it's one of the reasons that your voice, when you started in the King Blues and talking about stuff, you, you, your voice was such a powerful one. I remember talking t- to Billy Bragg at one point. Um, I think it was before you you were doing a gig. Um, on his left field stage at Glastonbury. But then we were talking about it again as we were watching, and I was saying, look, this is exciting because at that point, you had the same ear, or, or the ear of the same age range that maybe I had had a bit of a few years before. But again, I think it's such a, a quick and, and, mm. and fickle thing. And you can keep with them people, and Billy still has the ear of so many people of his generation and well, younger, yeah. but still, it's that bit down. And I remember saying to Billy at that point that these guys are important because there's a certain crowd and a certain group of people that as soon as I turned 
27 or 28 at that point it's like right i can't really talk so much to the kids anymore right. do you know what i mean it's right. not it's still it's someone just being up there and preaching to them whereas it felt you you had that excitement and genuine experience to, ha- to kind of have that ear so so was that an, a, a key to king blues and starting off your kind of yeah, as, absolutely. As, a, band, as a, a, a speaker. To us, we started off as as, as a a really loud punk band called Ram Raid the Offy. Yeah, and um and we were just a shouty punk band, and yeah. and I was always at the thought, look, lyrics needs to come first. Yeah. No one can hear what I'm saying if we yeah, just yeah, yeah, with yeah. these drums. So we'll just go down to just some acoustic guitar, yeah. and and I tried to play the guitar, and I was rubbish at it. So that's when I got Jamie in, and yeah. um and we were very much a novelty, and it's. I, I, when I look back at it now, it's mental, acoustic right? Punk. I remember always everyone. It's mental. I, oh, they're an acoustic punk band. It'd be like, oh, that but also it, it feels weird. It's, it's the kind of thing that you could put on a poster to get people to come to, like, well, like without yes listing no. the bands. But, but, but there was a point where you'd have spoken word. People would go, "Oh, what's that?" Well, this Whereas is the, what I'm going to say. Right, this is the weird thing is that essentially, then I was a really young kid. Yeah. But I was so cocky and sort of sure of myself. I'd go to these punk gigs where everyone's on speed, it's 3am, it's a yeah. squat. I'd go, can you just all be quiet for eight minutes? I want to say a poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, yeah, you, can yeah. you just, at the back, this, yeah. you might miss a bit, actually. It's, it's an eight minute yeah. and it's quite a story and it's yeah. a few twists. So just a little, a little, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Going on in between Hackney Sex Pest and Throw yeah. Bricks at Coppers. I mean, it's amazing and what's exciting. I remember seeing you guys at the Electric Ballroom and seeing you do spoken word to a full room and having them all shout it back to but you. But that's and kids who were there to see you. And, that's and, one thing. Yeah, but that was the thing that I was, I was saying at that point was exciting because I did a lot of spoken word gigs on the spoken word scene. And what was exciting was that I heard your stuff and rated it, but I didn't know you from the scene. And there'll be certain area people will be like, well, and again, I, I think a, a Carla's had the same. There, there's a, a load of people saying, this guy's a poet. I've never seen him at any of the scene. Right, right, like, right. right, no, but that's what's exciting is he's doing it, not preaching to the converted. He's he's preaching to the non, and that's what's, what's more exciting about it than, oh, we're all in our little circle. Right, we can right, all right. pat each other on the back. We're all here for spoken word that feels like a bigger thing to be doing that in a room full of people that are there for punk rock going, right, hang on, here's, here's, here's some thoughts. Right. Right. And it was, it was definitely scary, um, doing it initially. Um, but also I think that's just that cocky arrogance of being yeah. young. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Of, oh, I can do anything. I've got it all, all figured out. Yeah, Wait, yeah, no, it's fine. It'll be scary until they the hear my knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got the answers. The yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an old story of, um, Phil Oaks, a protest singer in the sixties who went to, um, the Vietnam when they were loading in, he had a, he had a song called, um, Oh, God, it's called something about marching, but but it was an anti-war song, and he genuinely thought if he went down with his acoustic guitar, they would lay down their guns and yeah. go. Do you know what, Phil? Yeah, you're right. And it broke him it. mentally, yeah. broke him. But it's um, funny again, I always remember. But you need it. to have that arrogance and that yeah. that self-belief in order yeah. to do it in the first place, yeah. and in order yeah, to yeah. learn what you can do, what you can't do, and to be in to be just going up with a ukulele. Uh, now it's sort of okay because we've done it, and people go, "All right, I can see how that works." Yeah, yeah. But initially, you go on in between. A couple bands, and you know, I wasn't looking at the time like a like a punk or anything like that. Yeah. I, I did when I was younger, but then just going up as a kid, sort of dressing however I dress, and then and going up with a ukulele and singing some songs. It it takes a lot of balls, yeah. do you know what I mean? It, yeah, and it takes a lot of you have to have that kind of weird self belief. So, so how was it when those kind of nerves would start to go away when you started to get a huge fan base, and how was it as well as? Uh, coming literally from the streets as a punk band with protest songs, suddenly you're on a major label. That's the classic... Classic uh, contradiction, own, right? Own, own, own fans turn on you at yeah, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, classic. Right. 
especially punk in punk rock. Now, now they're popular. Can't have, that. Can't have that. Can't have that. And that's how, that's how was that? How was that for you to take that a decision to 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 go with a major? Because again, I don't see. I always remember when we were looking at labels early on, and we had two or, or, or three majors we went and met with, and four or five independents. And I was furious at the end of it because I thought the majors were all going to be out of touch, right, wankers, right, right. and the independents were all going to be cool and hip. It wasn't the case. There was a couple of majors who got us more than anyone and knew references in the lyrics that other people Mm -hmm. hadn't got. And there were a couple... I remember a one independent who was like, what we... I reckon is you're going to be... Where Kano has started to go a bit guitar-led, you're going to be kind of the next step on that. And it's like, I rate Kano hugely. I think he's one of the best of all time. But but it's like, that's not what we're doing. That's not not where we are, kind of thing. And, 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 And more so... I don't think you can sell me to his to, right. to, to the, the the crowd base that, that you're thinking of there. I'd love to, but I'm not looking to change my stuff to, enough to kind of mm-hmm. to grab mm-hmm. that. So yeah, it was, it was it was annoying that it was like right. I oh, I wanted the majors to be their only appeal is that they're offering a, a load of money, but it's like no, they're offering a load of ideas and a really good way of getting our message out there and our. It's interesting. The old way of thinking of majors evil indies bad is, yeah. you know, now everyone's struggling and the downloads have killed yeah. a lot. And so yeah. now the indies are really struggling. Yeah. Their budgets, even yeah. where they're willing to take even less risks, there are always exceptions. Yeah. But to me, actually, the majors were willing to take a lot more risks yeah. because they had the budget and all of that. And But it was really exciting to me. I, I We were in a, we were on a, 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 a uh, label ironically called household name records mm. and um run out of someone's you know garage in in brixton and um the idea we didn't have a load of labels buzzing about us we got we had you know maybe four or five buzzing around us but um island were the ones that got it the most they yeah. really really yeah. got it so Absolutely. it was it was a subsect he had uh, a guy called joe taylor who an amazing a&r um but also a socialist, and you had um, Rollo from Faithless, who was who was the you know th- those two were the, were the main guys in it, yeah. That and a guy called Phil, um, and obviously Faithless had, were very left leaning at the time. But the interesting thing was there were some artists where a major will get them and try and change them. Yeah, there were some artists where, like for, for myself, and I'm sure for you, for instance, where it's like it wouldn't make any sense to change them. They're obviously, yeah. this is not a moldable artist. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, you yeah. get on with what they're doing and yeah. you try and support their vision and that's it. And yeah. You can't, yeah. and I'm not going to try and save them work. up yeah. or yeah. whatever, because it it's not going to work. And there's some artists where you can really, they, they sit around a table and A&R the fuck out of them. Yeah. But yeah. I've never been like that and I think you'd be pretty stupid to think that well, you can... I mean, when I had Frank Carter on, it was, it was one of them that I remember saying, when the gallows, or, or when... Gallows, sorry, were signed by a major. I was like, I don't see how anyone could look at Gallows and go, "Oh, we can tweak that a bit." Right, and make right, it commercial. Right. Like, that's not that's never commercial. That's never like, going to so be. All you can assume is that they were going to go right. We're going to make this work for for for, for it what is. it is. So yeah. it's kind of yeah, yeah. So it was, it, it was different, but but we, you know, the first song we ever did with Mr. Music Man, a very pop song, yeah. essentially. And so we were often told, go back to your roots and this, that and ever. But our yeah. first song was super pop. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's the difference is that I wanted to make it palatable. I, I never saw the point in shouting to preaching to the converted. Yeah. Um, I think there's a room for an underground. I think there's definitely room for, for that and for an underground punk scene. That's fantastic. But essentially, if your ideas are great, 
they should be appealing to the people queuing up in Tesco's for the weekly shop, not just for the left-leaning, uh, subversive people. Yeah, you shouldn't yeah. just be preaching to converted. And if your ideas truly hold weight, you'll put them in a place where they're going to be questioned. Yeah. Um, and so you need to go to the mainstream. And when you're underground, it's so easy because everyone loves you when you're underground. Yeah. But as soon as you become bigger, that's when, that's when people start questioning you. So the idea for me for going to a, to a major was like, this is fantastic. Finally, our records are going to get a proper push. Um, we're going to be able to come off the dull, yeah. which is a big thing. And um, huge. you know, th- th- to me, it was like this is this is win win. I-, I honestly never had any. I think the only time I'd worry about it is when I'm worried about what other people are thinking. And that's not actually a good reason to do something because people are going to hate you either way, no matter what you do. And again, you can just get so, you can tie yourself in knots overthinking about that kind of thing and worrying about what this person might think or that person might think. You can't please everyone. And if you are, you're saying nothing at all and not doing anything to worth. You have to, you have to kind of be a divider. If you're, if you're going to go out, if you're going to be an artist and say something, which is like, look, I'm thinking differently or whatever. Of course you're going to receive hatred for it. And you have to accept that. Um, so to me, it was never, it was never a question. It was like, these are great ideas. We're here to stop a war. Let's go. You yeah. know, that was, that was it. There was, there was, there was no, no, I felt no loyalty. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so how, how was it when you started to have success and huge crowds that were based around a lot of, of, of political uh, uh, lyrics? I remember the billboards of, yeah. of, of, of with political lyrics on there, just yeah. advertising it. How was that? And how was the excitement of going, oh no, shit. This I just is- felt really proud because at the time we weren't a war generation until, you know, when my band came out, we were really in, in direct response to the Iraq war. Yeah. And, um, there was no one else who was on radio one on the, um, there were bands underground, yeah. but I'm talking about like commercial bands who were on yeah. radio one, who were out there, who were putting out anti-war messages. And I thought this is absolutely crazy. And so yeah. I felt really proud that we can go out and do that, that we can yeah, actually, our billboards are, are saying messages. I remember, again, it excited me at the time seeing that because I've, I've ranted f- f- for years and it always seemed in interviews that I was having a go specifically at Coldplay, but Coldplay in their interviews would talk some really good sense and really good political stuff and really good social stuff and then they'd release another huge love song and it gets number one and everyone would hear it and 100% of their fan base would hear that love song about five ten percent would hear their small interview about, about about politics, and it always annoyed me. It's like if you truly are that passionate about that, why don't you put that in the song that everyone's going to hear and it's going to be on the radio and it's going to be supported? You know, and again, not in every song. I'm you know, weird because there's, I always back there's people. A place for it. I'm, I always defend the non-political songwriters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because well, I believe it, if no, they had done that, maybe they'd, think, they'd lose their platform. In which case, their five percent is still pretty massive. Yeah, I get that. I just think it's it, and, and again, I'm again it, it always I get people online are always surprised when I share hip hop that is Lil Wayne or whatever right. else. It's like I Which don't I think I don't think all music should be political. Yeah, I'd completely yeah, yeah. on point there. And that's one of the things I liked about King Blues was not all the songs are were political. There were beautiful love well, songs this is an on interesting there. There was, thing I'd like there was, to there was on, actually, pop is. sensibilities on there, but yeah. there were political songs. The, on the there, idea you know? that if you suddenly do a song that isn't political that you lose your integrity, to me being one thing and saying I'm just a political song I'm only writing about that that is branding yourself essentially and it's a fairly cynical way of looking at it but if you are that band who's only political you're seeing as having all this integrity whereas if you write about something else in life that's important because you're an artist all of a sudden you lose your integrity but it's it's mental because it's actually a bit of a contradiction Bragg said the exact same thing again when I had Bragg on the podcast he was saying I was saying I talked to him about being a political he's like I don't really see myself as a political 
a singer-songwriter, which, again, it's mind-blowing, because if you think, if you think there's a dictionary definition, yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's like, I kind of had one particularly political album, and other than that, it's largely love songs and this kind of thing. And that's been, like, again, I annoyed, I had a lot of people kind of, I've done probably three or four actively political songs and a, a few that are kind of, of social commentary but on the last on 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 stiff upper lip that we did um i kind of said at that point i don't plan to write any more political songs and people were like well this this and getting angry now it's like well stake st- st- a claim and stiff upper lip i don't think anything's changed right right so right. i don't need to write another you know mm. I, I say just play this. Here's, here's, here's what I think on that. That's already, I don't need to just keep saying, That's the eternal. I don't have the energy to keep saying the same thing. It's like, well, this is still my belief or this is, this, these are still problems. Even if my beliefs have changed, either hardened or whatever else, this is still relevant to the problem. So right. what you're looking for is already here. Right. That's so, how I feel about our first album. Yeah. People tell us to record it again. I go, well, We've done two versions of it. Yeah. You can you can just go and listen to that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. That's it's, yours. It's mental. It's really mental. Um, so, so where did it all start to fall apart though? Because King Blues came to quite a, a, a messy end, I guess. Yeah, initially. yeah. So, and it and it was quite. Um, I remember, and again, harsh. Obviously, knowing you and Jamie, I didn't really know much. I'd met most of the other guys, but I've, I felt I knew the two of you quite right. well. And then watching a lot of it kind of unfold over facebook pages and twitters and things like that it was kind of a weird thing of the the modern time that that we were in i guess and having such um uh, dedicated fans who were then kind of doing the opposite of being dedicated fans of gossiping and spreading this and this person said that and it was really weird to watch it all unfold as a kind of yeah, an onlooker when it's you going, hang on, these are actual people I know. This isn't just this yeah, is a, yeah. it's, a it's, reading it's some weird story. It's very strange when it's uh, when well, as I say, like a real a real cult band. We, we were never the world's biggest band, but our, our fans are truly passionate. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I think that there's something I was perhaps put on a bit of a pedestal, and I think people like to knock someone off for that. Yeah, and I think sure, people, everyone sure. needs that. Yeah. Um, but also, I think we're very unclear as, as the reasons why we're splitting up. But I mean, essentially, we were just in each other's pockets for so long. Yeah. We were recording our last album in LA, feeling like this isn't really a band. Mm. Um, we, well, I should have just taken a year off from the band, and that's yeah. it, and we would have been great. But, um, you know, we lost a lot of respect for each other at this point, and it, it was like, this isn't, this isn't fun anymore. And at the end of yeah. the time, I wanted to do my solo thing. And it felt like everything we were putting out, people were going, oh, go back to doing Scarpunk, go back to doing that. And... But it, that wasn't what I wanted to do yeah, artistically, yeah. and so I was at a point of like, well, I want to do something else artistically. This, this, you know, this isn't satisfying me anymore, um, and everything that I'm putting out isn't isn't really going down that well. So I'm yeah. like, all right, well, I'll I'll stop putting out records then, and I'll go and do what I want to do and build a new yeah. career, and I'll I'll sort of what King Blues did was a very English thing, and yeah. was just here. So I was like, well, I'll go to to America it was where I first went yeah. and I'm like I'll, I'll start a new career doing the next phase of my life yeah, of what yeah, I want to do yeah. um, and it was I guess I'm kind of um, peak headed enough to go well okay I've got a good career here and I'll I'll leave it and go to another country yeah. and start again start it's from scratch it's kind of but- an easy thing to do and it's, it's a weird thing as well because I always it it's so weird because people again People forget that it's it's real humans, and the fact is, each person who, when you release something you've poured your heart and soul in, that then says, "I'll go back to doing this," or "Go back to doing that," or even I said the stupid things like announcing a tour and people, "I want," yeah, people yeah, complain yeah. things like that is the stuff that makes me go. Actually, 
I can choose to live live without this. If, mm. if it gets to a point where that's where the annoyance of that kind of thing, as small as that is, it's still it's stuff that that grates on you. It's like when you live with someone, you can l- love them truly, but the tiniest things mm. will start to grate on mm. huge on you hugely, and it's it can destroy things. And I think it's similar with bands and with musicians and artists that you can start to go. I and and not that if it, I'm underappreciated or they don't. It's like no, I'm putting everything in here and I'm just getting that back, and it kind of it kills me. So yeah, essentially, it's like well, I'm never gonna often. I'm never gonna do that record again. Yeah. I'm never gonna go back to that style yeah. that pleases you. So is there any point in me going and pouring my heart to new art that I want to do and taking it into a direction I want to take it, or or not? And 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 I also really miss the the kind of danger of. I don't know, we used to get threats from the EDL that were going to come down and beat us up and, yeah, you know, yeah, the police yeah. used to come into the squat parties and shut us down. And I really, at the time, it was horrible and yeah. really shit. You end up spending the night in a cell and it's like, yeah, this is yeah, shit. Yeah. But looking back on it romantically, I was like, I kind of miss that excitement and yeah. danger. And yeah. now it's a bit like, I don't know, I just felt it was it's a bit fake. Yeah, it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit fake and a bit easy. Right. And, um, and, I, and at the same time, I, I wanted to um, learn how to really be a rapper. Do you know what I mean? I'd, yeah. I'd, and a real MC. And I'd, I'd spent from, I'd say halfway through Save the World, Get the Girl, through through to the, the fourth album, um, really learning how to rap. And really, yeah. it was a and new thing because to me. Because it's something that we don't really, because it's such an American art form, we don't get that much of an understanding of it. And I've, I felt exactly the same. I've, if, if you listen to my f- first, or, or to Angles, which got a lot of acclaim, the actual flows and patterns are so basic on there. <laughs> right. And then it became that obsession. We're going, oh, wow, look at this um, intricacy of, of Tech 9 or someone like that. And the ability of some rappers to have that intricacy but still have content. And then looking at which a rappers trade off content for, for flow, just the yeah, flow. And absolutely. it's like, wow, look at the actual the game that we can play here of trying to put these together mm. and trying to see mm. which work. And, yeah. and that's what was inciting to me. I, I sort of thought as... as horrific as it sounds I've, I've taken punk rock as far as I can take it really yeah. with those three chords yeah. and now I want to learn this new art form that I'm yeah. actually really exciting I mean I think people are saying more I can say more through it yeah. I can suddenly have 16 lines of verse rather than 8 yeah, 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 uh, yeah. all that it yeah. means a lot you know and um, and so and so I thought right I want to go to America and I want to figure out how to do this properly and I don't want to come out and go I'm a rapper I want to learn how to do it and so yeah. I spent some time in America I went around touring um did some harsh tours and 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 learn on the spot. Do yeah, you know what I mean, went into the ciphers, b- bad tours, and yeah, but then f- f- freestyling and all yeah, sorts of stuff. Yeah, came out of it way night. better. Yeah, do you know what I mean, came out of it as as all right. Now I can call myself a rapper. And so, how how did you get that kind? Or was it exciting and a similar buzz to getting up and trying to do spoken word in front of a punk crowd of getting up and trying to jump in a cipher as a, a British as guy, a British guy. That's in, the thing on 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 a rap tour on an American. A raptor, essentially, was that the same kind of initially? Buzz that you were looking it was. For? It was really scary. Um, yeah. But after the first night, most of them have never heard anyone rap in an English accent. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Their their references is like Jeffrey from Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, what they yeah, think yeah, English yeah. people Brilliant. are like. Yeah. So um, it was. It was. The, the crowds I was going out with as well were very much more into the indie hip hop. They they got it. Yeah. They understood that okay, yeah. it's a bit different. Um, and they, I went down really well. Um, but it was yeah, it was this is a whole new world for me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, it, and I essentially, I knew I'm a tourist. I'm like I'm a I'm a punk rock kid yeah. who happens to rap real well because I've put the time in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm still just a punk rock kid. I haven't grown up as a, as a hip hopper. Yeah, I'm not yeah, yeah. hip hop. I'm a punk rock kid who raps. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's kind of the difference. But the the, the beauty. F- 
for me and the reason again before i even started doing either the reason i got in the first the reason my first love was punk and then my second love was hip-hop is because they they both come from the same place they both come from being the voice of the voiceless and coming from the streets or coming from um speaking politically because you've not got to say politically in society and all these kind of things so it's kind of they do seem to all those years you put in growing up and coming up as a punk it does educate you in some way to 100%. then to then enter hip-hop and it's then learning as you said the technical side of it and this kind of thing it's you've you've got that upbringing of or similar up, upbringing to then refine and 100 i mean i think i don't want to speak for us both here but i think that we've both perhaps been trying to meld those two yeah. worlds with yeah. for our entire careers yeah, completely has been about completely. okay how do i the connection of I've always said, you know, punk rock is, is white hip hop. Yeah, hip hop yeah. is black punk. And yeah, and yeah, because of what you were saying, you know. Yeah, and um and I think that I've I've certainly ever since the second album, first album I was just super into reggae. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I was yeah, smoking yeah. too much weed really yeah. into reggae. And um but after that, the second album onwards, it was very much okay, how do I meld the world of, of hip hop and punk rock? Um and from an ideological point of view, as yeah. you said. And and I think that you've been trying to do a very similar yeah. thing, especially with the stuff you've done without Dan, like yeah. on your solo things, really well, you've allowed your I mean, oh that was was great. I recently got um or oh, Travis Barker recently had his 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 biography out and he's got a bit in there where he talks about are working on introduction with me and again i didn't expect any kind of mention and, and travis bark was someone i kind of gr- grew up idolizing right. and the bit i loved in there is he kind of basically says i don't really know what this is right, but right. Like, he's like <laughs> it's it's hip-hop but it's punk but it's got the, and it's like that's kind of that's fine because that means in a way it's worked then you've I've, you've kind of you've i've managed to put these these worlds together in that even if it's only f- for one song or a couple of songs here and there or whatever it's it's finding that that way for them to all sit comfortably together and it not feel like um, a major label has gone, are we going to put this genre? With yeah, this genre? yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's going to be cool and it will get... It has to come from a place where you love it because exactly. you can tell. And you I know? think that's why it works. I think I had big caution of putting guitars and drums and all that kind of thing with a rapping or spoken word or, or whatever you want to call it because of that fear of... And again, I grew up... up I had a period of loving new metal. There's a thin line, but isn't it? It's new metal, man, and it's kind it's of it's thin, that thing of like as soon as I'd and it didn't occur to me until I'd start to say people tell people about the record I was working on, which was called Distraction Pieces, about the record I was working on before they'd heard it. And I say, well, it's kind of guitars and that, but it's rapping that, and they're like, I oh, like new metal. Was like, right, right. No, that hadn't even crossed my mind at the time. And then it became all the more like, right, I need to make sure we're getting the punk side properly. When you're in the, the studio, it's very much like that, isn't it? Yeah. Not too riffy. Yeah, can't yeah. have it too because then it is. You go yeah. into Limp Bizkit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it, yeah. there is that very thin line that we tread. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly as white guys. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's very tough. <laughs> very tough. But so so then you so you did your solo stuff. Um how was that? And let's let's get into it briefly, but I was quite excited and again it probably would have infuriated all your all the punk rock early fans, but a, a working with Red Bull as your label. I found that a fascinating thing, and from talking to you about it, because right, you right, came yeah. on, on tour with me and Dan um, on on our last ever tour, actually. And before I'd read about it, and I thought, man, I'll, I'll be honest, I thought, this sounds shit. I'm, I'm not really excited about this. It's gonna, it's, I, I love it. I'm excited. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I'm not psyched about your label is Red Bull. That seems odd. But then talking to you about it, it was like, fuck this. This feels like the future because you were, and I'll, I'll, obviously, I'll, I'll let you talk about it. But essentially, we're kind of saying it's amazing because they're excited to invest in the art that you're creating, but they're not necessarily driven only by record sales or anything else. There's not that there's money to burn, but it's 
essentially a marketing spend of supporting something artistic and that they're excited about rather than on a major label or even on an independent sadly the way because so much money has come out of music and everyone has to to break even at least there's so much that is dependent on we need to get these record sales and we need to push this through and that through it sounded in a way i was like and again this sounds like i'm pandering now to say it sounded like it's the most punk rock side of it or or the punk rock project that you could make ethically and that all you have to worry about is the music you don't particularly have to worry about that other side of right, it. Right, right. I mean, I'm, I'm very torn on it because I, I, I understand the contradictions. Yeah, yeah. And I actually expected to be torn apart for it a lot more than yeah, I have been. Yeah. Um, but where I stood was that I've come from a world of going from DIY labels yeah. to major, major labels to large indie labels. I've seen how it works firsthand yeah. through, through a lot of different ways of, of dealing with it. And so this time around... I had a lot of labels knocking on my door. I mean, we had like Sony, Warner Brothers, we had majors and and big indies, cool indies, punk rock labels. A lot of people wanted wanted to to put it out. And um, when Red Bull came to the table, essentially, of course they want to sell records, they're a record label. Yeah. But it it was more about culturally what they wanted to do. And so I understand, look, there's a compromise you always have to make to a point. Either you can be the most right-on band, singing only to right-on people, and that's your life and you can never be slagged off because you're underground and you're brilliant. Mm-hmm. There's a place for that. But also, if you really want to get out there, either you keep going on labels where you're going to spend their advance and then move to another one and hope that they'll believe in you. Yeah, spend yeah. their advance, move to another label, hope they'll believe in you and never really recoup. The whole advance thing has, has always confused me anyway because it's basically like we turned down big advances in favour of a smaller advance on, the, on, on Sunday Best because it was like, well... We and again, it, it might not have been right in the long run, but we were confident that I, that we'll have records good and it will do good. And it right. feels like the bigger the advance you take, the more you're saying, "Well, we need to get this because we're it not going to make any money." Yeah, from this. You yeah, know, it, it, it feels like you're covering your back. It's like I'd rather. And again, it's the it's the the, the Essex via South London upbringing of I'd rather earn it. Mm. I'd rather earn. I'd rather earn this this huge amount of money that they're telling me we're going to make from this this a record. I'd rather go out there and make that happen rather than have that in the bank already and not necessarily have that drive. Right, right. Well, I'm the opposite. Yeah, I'd rather take the money at the start Just, and then know, um, be like, "Thanks, yeah. <laughs> great." Cheers, and now guys. I can afford to do my band for however long, and yeah, we can and do whatever we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we can do it our own way. Um, and I'm totally cool with that. Um, and and so the idea of going Red Bull was really. Every other label we spoke to were very tight, very like, all right, this has to be your first single. And if we're going to spend this much on you, then we need to get it back. Um, Whereas Red Bull were very much more... Okay, so it's a weird way around it because I understand it's to support the brand. Mm -hmm. But essentially, it wasn't about record sales. It was about, look, are you going to do something that's culturally of worth? Yeah. And that will help our brand in a way. Yeah. And a lot of people take help from brands like, you know, Jaeger or whoever that, that people don't understand and don't know about yeah. and get a lot of help. Yeah. Uh, and, I was going to say, the, 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 it was interesting to hear about the Red Bull approach on this. And this isn't a big advert for Red Bull, but because I had previously seen a lot of metal bands with their big Jaegermeister banner in the background and shit like that. And it all seemed so, so crass to me. Right, I, right. I was, it just felt really, damn, what, this doesn't work. This is an ugly kind of a fusion. But again, with your stuff, it's, I didn't feel that Red Bull was stamping their their label all, all well, over. Well, that was super and- important to me. When I spoke to him, I was like, "Look, I don't want Red Bull things in the background." And they yeah. were like, "Look, we think that's crass, and that's not what we want as well." Yeah. And um, 
you can never tell until you start working with someone whether that's lip service or whether it's yeah, real but it, it genuinely has been has been the, the case so yeah, far and great. I've put them through a lot of trouble where any other label would have dropped me yeah. <laughs> and they've stuck with me um, and, and continue to believe and let me do whatever I want to do which is really it's, it's, it's a very weird position and very blessed position to be in yeah. and I think that as I get older I realise, and this is now label number four, I, I, I can be a bit more grateful and a bit more, um, all right, this is actually, I mean, it's since 2004 I've been in the game now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a long time. So yeah. to be able to keep having careers and do it is wonderful. And, and I think it, I could have gone to another major. I could have gone to another indie. Essentially, all they care about is record sales and people aren't really buying a lot of records now. So yeah. I think my days would have been numbered. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the smart thing for me to do, if I want to keep creating art that I want to make, um, this was a, a good home for me. So, so yeah, it's kind of it's, it's interesting at the moment. It feels to me that people coming from outside the music industry to join the industry can look at it as it is now and kind of make their plans. It, it, yeah, I'm trying to yeah. articulate that, that a bit more. It's, it's it's weird. It feels like the major labels, all of the labels that have been around a long time, are kind of panicking and going, "Shit, how can we preserve this? How can we stop that happening? How can we do that?" Whereas if you're coming in new, you can go. Right, this is how sh- how, how shit is. is. Let's not try and fight this. This is how shit is. What do we want to do now going forward? So it it might be a case of that there'll be a lot of labels who can go, right, let's get our, sh- our shit together and figure out what we're doing. But I think there might be a case of a lot more different, and whether it's l- labels or it's streaming platforms or, or whatever else, coming in and going, right, here's here's the landscape. Let's, let's figure it out. Rather than all these people going, we need to try and get it back to how it was in the 70s. I or completely in the agree with you. I think it's really even. stupid to, to, to think of it like that. And I think major labels are really set in their ways and they, they will continue to do what they do because they, they are dinosaurs and it? there's yeah. such a hierarchy of where you go to to get things done. But in terms of look, who's winning now, it's yeah. the people who are thinking outside the box. No yeah, one knows truly. what's going to work, but we know that the old way doesn't. I mean, a, a, the biggest illustration that I was talking recently to... And, and Natasha Fox, who does, who's who's sung on my records in the past and toured with us, and is 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 working on a, a solo record. And I was just talking to her about ideas of release schedules and things like that. And I was saying when, and again, it sounds like I'm arrogantly cl- claiming I invented it, but but when I released Introduction, I'd not really told anyone that I was doing this solo thing. I said there's some stuff, there's something coming, and then on my 30th birthday, I put the video up for Introduction. That that night. Like I hadn't sent it out to anyone. That night, it was Zane Lowe's hottest records and stuff like that. And it was because of doing it that instantly. It wasn't this traditional seven-week build right, right. and all this kind of thing. And now you look at recent years of Adele. Adele being silent and then going, oh, here's my new record. It's the biggest selling record Everyone's ever. Doing it now. Last year, a Beyonce, Beyonce out of yeah. nowhere going, here's my new record and it's free or whatever else. It's just, it feels that the people who are on top of the game... Jay Z kind of putting his record out through the phone company. Yeah, uh, Beyonce doing her singles for H and M. Yeah, and it's, it's it's all kind of people are going right. This isn't we're they're walking away from the traditional structure. Yet there's so many that that can't do that and that still grab hold of that. And again, I do think that labels are hugely important. I think the bit that people who who support illegal downloading and say or think there's no there's no victim that there is. There's a lot of bands who don't have people in them who have the the business mind or whatever else yeah, to do this well yeah. labels that's why they're there they're to, they're there to make to often allow the bands to be a fucking band there was an interesting interview with know? um zach to the russia from rage i read yeah. and he said he loves fugazi yeah because uh, fugazi is super independent and they do everything diy and yeah. they're very political 
but he said they're also businessmen and Rage Against the Machine are not businessmen yeah. we're artists who rock out on guitar and spit sick rhymes yeah, 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 and whatever but yeah. we, we're not like how do we brand this right and how do yeah. we how do we sell it and and he's like well for guys they are that they have that in them and so I think you're right in again, terms I've, of and, and again I've, I've, I've got no sh- shame in that I've always felt that particularly with my solo stuff the reason it worked is because I've as weird as it is I've worked in record stores for years. You're a good I've done marketer. This thing. It's like yeah. I, I, I've got that mind for it. And again, I don't think there's any shame in that at all. But I also don't think, similarly to not everyone has to be political, not everyone has to have that and not everyone will have that. Therefore, I don't want to only hear from bands who happen to have someone in the band who's good at marketing or good at, at that side of it or exactly. good at that creativity. Exactly. I want to hear from bands that are just good. Living it, yeah. Whereas it will become the case if, if we continue to beat down all the labels that it will just be the ones... The smarmy pricks have got have, have got that bit I mean, that, of that if bit you of see swagger the bands now. Them. For instance, when I was on the Warp tour, it, it, a lot of those bands are really shit. Yeah. To be honest, now and but but all of them have got at least one guy in it who's yeah. fantastic on social media. Yeah, it yeah, used yeah, to be like yeah. right, they've they've all got a ripping lead guitar player yeah, in the eighties yeah. or something like that. And now, now it's, it's someone who can build the fan base, got who a can great guy on, with the fans, yeah, and really yeah. get that all all going. Yeah, I mean it's it's a very strange market. It's a weird one. So it's kind of... But scratching the living for this long, yeah. this many different labels. Yeah. The, the reason I've been able to do it and, and, and to touch wood never work a real job yeah. is, is because I've been adaptable. Yeah. Because I've been able to, to look at it and go, okay, well, even though I'm winning here, if I stay in this area, it's a sinking ship. And so I need to jump to that island, which is yeah. absolutely nothing going on on it, and to start building from there again. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. and then I need to jump to that island. And even though it's very, you can get very comfortable in your house yeah. where you, where, that you've built, if it's, if it's at war and it, it, it's going to come down, you need to leave and, and yeah. build a, a new thing. Yeah, know? completely. So um, the huge excitement of late has been the announcement of the return of, of, of King Blues. So... Let's kind of rewind a bit. So you would have been doing the itch stuff, and you're going to continue doing itch yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's 100%. still there's a new record on the way. But I remember at the end of the the, the the run of shows that you were doing with me and Dan, you had a gig at the Hundred Club. Yeah, and I remember as it was coming up, just talk of Jamie was going to join you, and I was gutted I couldn't couldn't be there when you were saying about all this. And yeah, it's like, yeah. So how did that start to come about? How did the the bridges get kind of a, a rebuilt a little bit, and then? Well, I'd. Um... I'd had the idea of maybe the past year or so. This past year, I've pretty much been planning stuff out. I had like a hit in Australia the sort of year before, yeah, and that's yeah, given me a bit of time. Though, yeah, yeah, it went a bit crazy, and that's given me a bit of time to um, to sit back and and start planning things yeah. rather than or oh, I have to be out here doing everything. Yeah, uh, and so I sat back and I thought, right, what do I really really want to do? And what do I really miss? And um, to be honest, being doing the protest stuff I really missed I started itch because I didn't want to just do protest yeah um, but also I didn't want to just do personal things yeah so I, it's kind of a balance in me yeah and and, and both are if, if, if you start something that the point of starting it is so you don't have to do protest it then feels you can't do protest. yeah it, it yeah, then exactly. takes it away from you it's like I started this to get away from it it's like oh fuck I want Actually, I, I can't, can't do that I anymore. I really love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and so I realised that, look, I really want to do protest music again. So I started recording demos and... Um, I went into the studio and and just made made a bunch of demos and was really happy with them. Um, and so I just invited Jamie and Fruit back around here for a beer and um, explained to him what I, what I was was doing. And I had you know this I've got this idea for for an album eventually that that is very forward thinking and very much not. I didn't want to come back and do it's, it, 
oh, it's been 10 years since Save the World, Get the Girl. Shall yeah. we go and do that greatest hits? I don't want to yeah, be yeah, yeah, any yeah. kind of retro bullshit. Yeah. I want it to be forward thinking. And, um, and so I thought, this, look, this, this is a really great time to do it. This will be fun. We're a bit older. We've put our differences aside. Um, shall we do it? And, and I played them the songs and they, they loved the songs and loved that it, that I'd really given it a lot of thought and had this vision with it. And yeah. I, I think that's always kind of how King Blues has been is that, I've had people behind me who've essentially really believed in my vision and yeah. really been like, well, we're going to make it come to life and yeah. back to it. And I think that you get some bands where it's everyone equally puts something in and they're great. And then you get some bands where it's like a vision where everyone really helps to make that vision come to life. Yeah, sure. And that vision couldn't have come to life without everyone, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. it's, and, and, and in terms of this, I had a real vision of what I wanted to do. And so I think because I was just so excited and um, was so enthusiastic about it. I think it, it kind of just rubbed off on them, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah. let's let's do it." That's great, and I think everyone had probably had time to go off and do things as well. It felt that that Jamie with uh, Bleach Blood got to go and enjoy not having any weight of political message yeah. at the front, and, and they got and, to be right and embrace the the pop side, of the 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 pop sensibilities, and things like that, which is a great thing to get to go and just enjoy that, and then can probably bring a, a lot back to it. I was discussing the other day. Um, again, it's when I was talking to Natasha Fox again about her record, but I was, we were discussing uh, Frank Turner and, and the Rattlescape, Frank Carter and the, and the Rattlesnakes album, which has possibly been my album of the year. It's and brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I, loved, I brilliant. loved Gallows, and then what, what from talking to Frank was seeing that he left and got to go away and just <clears throat> immerse himself in kind of more melodic writing and more pop sensibility in, in a project that he didn't feel worked the way he wanted in the end, but you know, he got to go out there and do it. Um, and it feels that coming back here, he's got, it's got that hardness, but it's got, it's so amazingly written and, 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 and the structures and everything are to me. And again, I still love gallows, but it's got that bit more of seeing the album launch when I didn't know any of the songs, I went away with four or five in my head that right, I now right, knew. Right. I think it was that instant. It wasn't just, wow, that's an amazing live show, which they've always had. It was that it was an amazing live show. And I've got three or four hooks in my head mm. now rather than just like the intensity. So again, it's great. I think at points to go away and have these things that are completely so far from what, yeah, this, you have to. From what Cause again, that guy, he's just influence it. Just singing about being angry. Yeah. No one's angry all the time. No, do you no, know what I mean? And so no. it is a bit dishonest to, yeah, to yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah. market yourself as just one yeah, thing. And so him coming furious. out and going, you know, pure love and all that yeah. was, was, was to me very exciting, yeah. even though it didn't connect with the people yeah. in, in the same way, because people thought of him as just this one hateful person. Yeah, and then yeah, it, it's, it's comparison. essentially that's what's connected yeah. again. But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's, I think he is the best front man this country has. Um, I, I um I think it's a really interesting one to watch because um it's so destructive. It's so well, that obviously can't go on forever. Hugely. You yeah. can't grow old doing that. Yeah. You know? yeah, no, completely. The intensity and anger in every performance that yeah, there's generally always blood, genuinely. And again, it's that kind of as we were, were talking about of, of growing up at punk gigs where there was always that energy of fuck something could get nasty it rarely rarely did that was the beauty of the punk but it scene was it, it had that feeling. that fuse was lit constantly mm. it never actually ignited but that fuse was constantly there mm. so that yeah that's the ex- ex- excitement i agree of, of of him as a front man of that it's like yeah it's it, but i i completely agree you that's got to run out at some point and yeah just hopefully 
I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, for me, I'm not. A, I'm not an easy person to be in a band with. Right. I understand that. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. a case of like anyone can be in a band with me. I understand. I'm. I'm. I'm quite a dictator right. when it comes to it. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I think that um, a lot of bands work in different ways, but I think generally there's one or maybe there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a Hitler and a Goebbels. There's one or two. Yeah. You know yeah, yeah I mean? There's always a couple of <laughs> and, um, driving it. And, and, and that's uh, essentially that's 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 kind of essential to how to to creating good art in that way it's great when there's two i think because yeah, it's fantastic. not just one person's vision which can be beautiful but we can't all be prince yeah we can't, we can't all, be prince. all just totally. be prince just totally. making you know having his one vision that just works it's exactly great to have that 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 other person going no 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 exactly so for me having jamie be able to go out and do bleach blood or you know whatever he's doing is to it, it was amazing because he got to step away and not have me over his shoulder yeah. and you know he got to breathe it's a huge a weight off I'd imagine of yeah. having that freedom of just going right this is so also now he can go well, I don't have to try and squeeze my ideas into every yeah. King Blue song he, he can, he's like I've got this outlet for my ideas yeah. Yeah. Um, in the same way that must be great for both of you to have yeah. that kind of I don't need to try and think how I justify this lyric within the King Blue's ethic or Wonderful. what the fan base are going to think it's, it's like right like, no that's an itch track that's it's an itch track so I'll just, I'll just write and then all right, this is a King Blue track. That's an itch track, and it, and, it, and it totally makes sense. And it, and it's really nice having that distinction now as well. Before King Blues was our nine to five, yeah. So we did. There was a bit of worry of okay, well, it has to make a radio on playlist, and we can't get drops, yeah, yeah. and we need to keep being in the press, or else it's all over. The whole yeah. platform's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, whereas now I've got my solo career, which has actually been yeah. way more successful than the band ever was. Weirdly, and um, you know, well, depending on how you uh, measure success, yeah. but financially, yeah, certainly. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's allowed me to do King Blues purely as a hobby, purely yeah. as just the art now, and not having to worry about anything else, yeah, that's um, great. which is a really nice position to be in. Um, Two more things I want to get into, and one I definitely I know uh, it's something that's annoyed me, but no, we'll get to that in the end. <laughs> okay. um, um, just the fact that the timing of King Blues come is it, it, it feels like it is very much again a reaction to was your 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 urge to write a, a, a political record and speak politically again a reaction to Cameron and 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 the Tories kind oh, of one hundred percent getting in. There's, there's sort of no better muse really than David yeah. Cameron. He's, he's wonderful for me. Um, yeah. I think he's he's great for the the one percent and the protest singer and yeah. not much else in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So it was certainly reaction, true, and true. I think how it came around uh, in terms of look, we had Corbyn speaking on the first record. We were singing to try and take down the government that's going to an unpopular war. That's yeah. why we formed. Now, ten years later, reforming. Um, We're back. And it's really interesting. A friend of mine made a documentary about us that um, hasn't seen the light yet. He's still working on, but he 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 was filming us recording our first record in just our flat in Hackney, literally down the road from here, um, in in two thousand and four, um, and and it was really weird because it was just a group of kids who had nothing coming from scratch, trying to make something of it and trying to bring down a government. Very young and idealistic. Yeah. Um, and now we're a little older, a little more cynical, but essentially. We've, we're coming back on on a on a budget of a prayer, yeah. and um, and try and take down the government yeah. again, and, yeah, and yeah, trying yeah. to do it in a different way, a little older, a little wiser. So yeah, I mean, you know, Cameron is is a, is a fantastic music. If Corbyn gets in, I'm, I'm as much as I'd like it, I'm probably out of a job. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean, I'm I'm definitely a lot less relevant. It's true. I remember always remember a, a live on 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 a live Sage Francis album. He tells he told the story of he he finally got back with the girl that he'd split up with years ago and had written all his songs about he said like it uh, it was beautiful and I almost 
stopped having a career. Yeah. It was done. It was like, it literally says I didn't have any, I didn't have a girl to, to cry about anymore. It was yeah. kind of, I was, I was happy. So it's kind of, yeah. I weird. can only exist as long as there's a government in power who are, who are awful. Yeah. Otherwise I'm not relevant. It's interesting. I, did, I, I was doing a talk in Northampton recently with Alan Moore and it was a whole day he'd, he'd, he'd um, put together at Northampton University all about counterculture and what counterculture is and the essentialness of counterculture. And one of the things that I kind of I put forward there but I hadn't really thought about is counterculture can never actually win. No, then it has it, to be on the bottom. Because then it becomes culture, and then there's another counterculture. <laughs> right, right. So it's, it's, it's that thing of you can't, you can only ever be fighting. So if you guys ever win, then there's there's got to be something. You're that's the power, then. You. All of a yeah, sudden. yeah, yeah. So it's that, You're that the weird establishment. Again, it, it goes back to that statement of some fights aren't about a winning; they're about the fight and about mm. the importance of standing up for what you believe in, mm. speaking about what you believe in. Mm. Um, well, let's. I mean, we're at, at ninety minutes now, so this is already. We've gone nice and long. So let's just wrap things up. There's one thing. It's really weird. On social media, 90% of things are water off a duck's back. I love it. I just love people getting angry at stuff. There's, there's, In fact, actually, he'll listen to this and he'll get annoyed at me. But there's one guy that's annoyed me recently because he keeps complaining about the length of my intros. Because there's adverts at the beginning. Right. They keep saying that it's long before the interview starts, which annoys me a bit because the interview isn't the only part, other than on this one. I normally have an intro that I'm talking about some stuff that's gone on. So I get a bit sh- a shitty when he's like, it didn't start till 10 minutes or whatever. How much like, is he paying for it anyway? That, that's always my point. I'm like, it's free, blah, 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 it's free. But I, I then genuinely, I wasn't being right. I said to him, look, honestly, I have a version because because the sponsors get dropped in each week so they're always it depends on when you download it so it's always relevant so you're always getting the good deal or whatever i said look i've got a version each week if you want to buy an ad free version for two quid right. i'll sell it to right. you brilliant yeah. personally i was like i'm not and, and anyone listening i'm not opening that up to everyone i was just like look <laughs> just you, you have messaged me four or five times and i've explained it but if it's genuinely like bumming you out me, then yeah, yeah. that's cheaper than a pint that's basically if you've got a problem that's angering you and you can sit down and deal with it f- over a pint then that's, that's a great... But he, again, he wasn't up for that. So anyway, other than that, but one thing that numerous times I've really argued with people on, and it's grated me for some reason, is when people get mad about cat adverts not being punk rock. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. And you, you deal with it much better than I do. I, I kick off with them because it annoys me. It's, really, again, it's, really it's, it's the changing me, of I... the music industry and it's yeah. the fact that we're all open to this new freedom of, of, of music, but we're not open to bands having to find revenue from advertising from whatever else. And there was, was one guy in particular that he just, I posted something about us and he just put cat adverts aren't punk rock. And I literally wasted a lot of an afternoon just going through his tweets saying right, like, right. pointless isn't punk rock. Cause he'd been watching a tweet about pointless. Right. And I just, just going through all the things in his life. I was like, and again, it's that thing you can be, about something and have a life as well if you know Absolutely. what I mean it doesn't have to be and punk is one that has struggled to accept that as a, as a movement it's struggled to accept that you can have punk rock you can believe punk rock but you can sit down um, and spend a bit extra on a nice meal or something like that if you want to if you want to treat yourself it doesn't have to be this it's very strange you'll, you'll fight and fight for work. I, I mean I should, I should explain there was a King Blue song on a cat yes, food advert yes absolutely so that's where, Blue and that was where people it. really got a bit fucking furious yeah, over that absolutely when... and um, I'm sure there's people who generally haven't ever bought the albums yeah. but however to me punk rock is a very forward thinking uh, scene it's also online is, is, is something completely different yeah. to, 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 to real life um, but Essentially, 
we could have been very principled. Yeah. Never signed to Island Records mm-hmm. after the first record. We wouldn't have got to make a second record because mm-hmm. there just wouldn't have been a budget there. Yeah. And that would have been the end of us and I'll be back on the doll. Yeah. Uh, we signed to Island. We managed to get these anti-war messages out. We managed to do that. Then we got dropped by Ireland. We came to, this was, this was, I think, 2009, I'd say. Yeah. Um, where a lot of artists got, so it was us, Lethal, Bizzle. There was, there was a, there was a, 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 um, a changeover at the top of Ireland. Yeah. Where the MD, we'd survived two MDs changing. Yeah. We didn't survive wow. the third because they had, Mumford and Sons were just breaking. Yeah. And so they thought, well, we've got two bands with ukuleles because this is what MDs think. Yeah. Yeah. They go, well, they're the same, aren't they? Brilliant. We've got they're two bands with exactly ukuleles. So, kind of, this one's working, this yeah. one isn't. So let's drop them. So I left Ireland with a good fair feelings. Play to with them. And I'm not into them, but fuck, did they get b- b- big out of nowhere? They, they were like one of the biggest bands in the Absolutely. world, just like that. Absolutely, we have always been nice. Shout like, out to Scoop. Yeah, yeah, totally. But um, but but you know, essentially, again, that would have been our death. Yeah, it would have been okay. Well, great, we can be totally principled, step away, and do nothing ever yeah, again, yeah. other than work in a, a, a genuinely corporate job as yeah. a nine to five. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we were offered the opportunity to do this. That advert, I will say, I personally, mm. we received a lot of money as a band, as a business for it. Yep. I personally never took one penny from it. Right, yeah. All of that went into making punk and poetry. Yeah. All of that money was um, allowed us to continue being a band. Yeah. I, I, it's not like I was suddenly walking around like with all this cash in my pocket. I, I, yeah. I, it all went back into the business. Yeah. We would not and have been able to make punk and poetry. Don't, don't realise, I, I get a monthly wage... So if I'm doing this tour, I don't get a ton of... I get a monthly wage because I've got speech development records, which all my money has always gone into, and it's paid for every... It's paid for the Dolan album and the Sage Francis album and all these other things. But people will have that illusion that if you do something that's that's like that, that you're suddenly... You've you've all gone out that night and had, had, yeah, had lobster understandably dinners. understandably so. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I totally get it. And if I was a young punk rocker, yeah. which I have been, yeah. and my favourite band had been an advert, I'd have been like, no. I remember Iggy this, Pop being on, on an like, advert and being a bit a bit gutted but then that was the first one of the I think there was a change where it changed I, yeah I don't know it became I think the time of of of, of Bill Hicks saying oh, it's changed so cock much. in hell or, yeah. or whatever else it, it's changed it's changed it's the world changed. the world the music industry has changed as we were saying with people like Red Bull or people coming in new to looking at different ways of releasing music it's all changing so I don't think you can have those same you can't have those. It, it's, the it's there's a lot of grey area yeah. now, and um, and it's, things aren't perfect. Yeah. But as artists, in order to survive in the game, as long as as we have, and yeah. essentially, I think of myself as an independent artist. Yeah, I've yeah. done times on, on major labels, yeah. but I I think of myself as an independent artist because I've wormed my way in and out of different yeah, yeah, scenes yeah. and at different labels and and done that myself. Yeah. And it, there hasn't been. I don't come from my uncles and A and R. I don't have any of that. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. I've just been a little kid doing it. The same, you know, the same as you. We yeah, just scratch yeah, a living yeah. somehow. Exactly. And, and every year it's amazing. The next. Yeah. Every year it's like wow. But um, you have to keep up with it. And, and there's so much grey area now that I think that I personally, speaking for myself, I could have lost my way and ended up back on the street or back on the dole um, very easily, many times. And, and 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 it's not that I'll just take any. The amount of things I've turned down mm. are unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't yeah. get publicised. Yeah, um, but I've turned down a lot of adverts yeah, I don't yeah. agree with. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, when we did that, Again, I thought... I've, I've not really done many advert things, but I've always said that it's not because I wouldn't. It's because a lot of my stuff isn't that syncable. It's like right, if something right. came in that I wasn't mo- morally against, 
I don't have a problem with that. Well, this I'm not what I'm talking about morally against. against. I'm not listening to exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm not morally against cat food. Whereas well, we didn't do a Lucas Aid advert, for instance, yeah. and and the budget was huge, and yeah. we didn't do it because I don't agree with Glaxo Smith Klein. I think they're an evil yeah. company, essentially. Um, whereas Whiskers, I don't. Well, there isn't that much blood in their hands. Yeah. Red Bull is um, they're a fairly new company. Yeah, I've, I've met the guy who, who who opened it himself. He's still yeah. alive. It's not like yeah, this is Coca Cola. It's not yeah, even yeah, like yeah. it's Universal Records where they used to fund arms dealers. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. it, it's it's a new thing, and so yeah, it's not perfect. But essentially, in order to survive and and keep on putting out great art, you have to make some compromises in this day and age because people are downloading. If it were the 80s, the 90s, when CDs had come about and we could still make money just off of our art, I would much rather do that. And again, it's making it it clear as well that that's not necessarily saying making money to... To be rolling in, in in wristwatches, it's making money to do to keep doing this, keep to keep putting it. out records. And again, I, I'm, I'm also though not against bands that are hugely successful and make good money because if they're out there and they're earning it, then fair play. But again, it's that it's yes yeah, that weird illusion that it's it's a strange illusion. But I, I also understand it because it is a privileged job and yeah. it's not a thankless yeah. job. And and um and and, if, and again, I mean that guy toiling right, right there, there, there isn't anything punk rock about cat food. That is, he's right. He's, He's sort right of right, there. but there's a lot of things that ain't punk rock. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's um, fine. And that's just okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. That's Not okay. But there's, there's um, I don't know, it's an interesting... If you're working a nine-to-five in McDonald's, say, for instance, and this one band you really believe in, yeah, and you really look up to and you're like, yeah. this is an alternative way of thinking, and then you see him on the advert, I can understand that. Yeah, sure, I, get I totally get yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and I don't expect anyone to be like... Like the poor artists, yeah. God bless them. No, it's fair because it's like, but it's always good to get a way. chance to explain it a bit and say, "Here's but it's what's, lovely here's what's going to, down." But the, the, but the, but the, the, the old, um, you know, saying that a little information is a dangerous thing. Yeah. I think it's very true, and I think nowadays people genuinely think they know the ins and outs of how the music industry works yeah. and how much money bands are making. Yeah. And I got this uh, message the other day, and you know, I don't normally read read them, but um, I, I, I did get one the other day saying. Um, well, he's, they're charging this much for a ticket, so therefore, by my calculations, there's this many people at the venue, they're rolling in it, and, and they don't understand, no, you lose money touring, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're just super smart about it, and yeah, super yeah. like, like, I know you, for instance, you you manage to tour, because you stay in your friend's floors, and well, your sofas we've, and we've stuff, which, is, which to me is mental. I've got, but, in, in my wallet that's on the table here now, I've got um, a Travel Lodge uh, members business card thing, because we've... We've done two, and again, that last tour, we had two sold-out nights at Coco. That's two and a half thousand each. These are big venues, but but, but we're touring in the cheapest van yeah, we can yeah, find, yeah. staying in the cheapest hotels we can 100%. find. Because again, it's that awareness that we know that this is a temporary lifestyle, and it's all temporary earnings. So again, it's exactly that. You make, you might have one gig where there is a load of money being made, but then you'll hit Europe. Yeah, and yeah, and, and you'll yeah, lose exactly. <laughs> you lose it all. I've, I've, I've told this before, I'm sure, but on the tour that we did two nights at Coco. We, it was literally a week later. We're playing in Italy, and we played to twelve people. Wow! So again, it's that reality. We still played our fucking little hearts yeah, out yeah, yeah. And, and, and did it. But again, it's that reality of you can't sit there and go. Well, m- it was my really strange. Says I remember in between the two tours, we went we we went to America. Yeah, yeah, and it was exactly the same thing. It was, it was yeah. going from doing these massive nights with you and it being brilliant to like, like there's ten people out, and then yeah, here's a few people. <laughs> but and and it's costing a lot of money to, yeah. to go and play to those ten people, and you just yeah. have to have the faith that it's, that it's going to work out. But yeah. those paydays that we get. It, it, we're not sitting back laughing about it, yeah. and I think that that's what people it understand. It funds everything else. It's, it's it funds everything else. Well, yeah. I mean, let's wrap things up by quickly talking about what is going to be the deal 
in the new year on the on the King Blues return on the Enter Shikari tour. Obviously, we've had had Enter Shikari on or on, yeah. on here before, um, and a great live band. And you guys have done tons of stuff. I think yeah. I heard about them through you hyping them like, right, right, right. a while back and kind well, of, they yeah. were a very underground band yeah. they probably passed you by but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do alright for themselves <laughs> yeah but um, yeah it's, it's amazing it's really fun um, this, sort of, this sort of thing started off originally I'd, I just whatsapped her out and um, yeah. a friend of mine is one of their roadies and said look they're, they're stepping up doing a, a stadium tour and I thought oh that's that sounds a bit tasty. It's I reckon crazy, if I'm going to do something, I, I'd again, it's so beautiful to see for a band. Again, it's so independent and so doing their thing and really independent. Like yeah. his dad is their tour manager. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. that much. It's that yeah. that much. I mean, imagine having your dad as your tour manager. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's 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 mental, but it's also they're yeah. so grounded and it, yeah. it makes sense. But um, and so I just WhatsApped around and said, "Listen, I've heard you've got this tour and go. Can we support?" And he said, "You know, we've already we've already got our main support sorted." And I was like, "Look, we'll open. I don't care. Yeah. Just do it." And then it was a case of going back to the lads and going, like, "I've got these demos, and also I've baited this tour." Yeah. So you've you've you've, you've, you've got, got to agree. A, you've got to agree now. Amazing. Um, so what's the plan going to be? You're going to be playing a lot of new stuff, or now we're going to do a couple just new songs. Majority old, and then so a I've few got new. we're going to do we're doing an EP, um, and then we're we're going to release that in time for the tour. It's going to be called Off with Their Heads, um, and then. It's you know it's a super political EP that also has some personal love songs on it, yeah. which I think creates a, strikes a nice balance. And um, it's for the record, it's going to be nothing like Under the Fog. Um, so just you can stop asking now, really yeah. about that. That's um, <laughs> and then, but um, yeah, so we're going to do that. We're going to do a tour, and then that's it really for now. We're just going to see how it goes and have yeah. fun. We'll do some we'll do some festivals. It's not a full time thing. Yeah. We're doing we're doing what we want to do as and when we want to do it, which is a really nice. A really nice place to be. Great there's no, there's no massive, in, right? there's yeah. no massive plan really. Yeah, um, I love it. So where can can people keep up to date? Where's best to keep keep on top of everything? Um, if they go to my Facebook or the King yeah, Blues I think if they Facebook go to King Blues Facebook, right? You can find everything you want to know about me political politically. My my my, my political views are, are definitely coming out through there. Everything to do with the King Blues. If that's what you're a fan of, go to the King Blues Facebook. If you want to know more about artistically where I'm coming from as a spoken word poet, as um, someone who, who writes love songs on the ukulele, uh, uh, as that type of person, or you want to know both, go to the Itch Facebook. Um, and to me, they, yeah, they coexist. Perfect. Well, thank you very much, sir. Absolute pleasure. And I, Absolutely. I, I, I look, it. look forward to catching it all in the new year. Cheers, mate. There we go. That was episode 73 of the Distraction Pieces podcast with Itch. Um, Yeah, great to chat to the guy. You guys have been requesting that one for a long time because obviously we're kind of associated in in, in many ways. I've known Itch a long while and he's doing some great things at the moment. So that was good to sit down and talk to him. Um, That's the last of our musician or industry guests for the year because what's happening for the rest of the year is kind of exciting right so um it's mental i I decided i was gonna do i thought it'd be a good idea to do these a year in review episodes so picking a load of different topics and subjects from from the last year then starting at january and going through them and then february march april and so on and so forth and i thought the best people to do that that with would be two of my closest friends um and i chose stuart whiffin and chris glasson because they i run my club night 
with them. We are lizards, and essentially we meet up every month, have a few drinks, and discuss what's been going on in the world, um, put the world to rights. So we decided to do that, and we recorded them uh, the other week, at the beginning of December, and the plan was to have a few drinks, and we thought it'd take, like, we'd maybe get two, two episodes out of it. Um, we drunk quite heavily, and it turned into five episodes. So it's it's uh, believe me, it's certainly worth a listen. I can't guarantee the high quality, but it's certainly worth a listen. But equally, I wanted to give you loads of stuff to listen to as the year ends, and you're at that time of year where you've got that bit in between Christmas and New Year, and you've got you know that those last journeys home um, after work at Christmas. So what we're going to do next week on Wednesday, as usual, December twenty third, will be part one of the year in review um and then i thought the next day it's christmas eve so you kind of want a little extra present on on christmas eve right so i thought i'd do one on christmas eve not doing one on christmas day because um adam buxton is doing his christmas day one with joe cornish so if you're listening to any podcast other than that then you're a straight up fool um and then the, the wednesday after that is obviously december 30th but again i decided New Year's Day, you're going to be recovering, you're going to be certain about it, you're going to want something to occupy your mind. So we, I thought we'd put another one out on January 1st, on New Year's Day, and then the Wednesday after that is January 6th, so that'll be the fifth and final of the year in review. And by the end, I mean, just to give you some idea of how this went down, um, Chris, we counted in the morning, Chris drank nine beers, um and has at the moment has no recollection a recollection of the fifth podcast so that's interesting um Stu held it down he only had three or four that was good i was on the bacardi and pepsi max so it's hard to gauge because i know i drank quite a few but how much was i putting in and all that but we all got tipsy to say the least um so yeah worth checking out that's going to be so yeah between now and january 6th there's going to be five more episodes for you to enjoy so plenty to come thank you very much for tuning in and uh if you enjoyed this one obviously we we mentioned the killer mike one um no i think i might have talked to him about that before we definitely mentioned the billy bragg one and the frank turner and the frank carter ones we get a bit political on this one so i'd recommend if you enjoyed this the chat i had a few weeks ago with a carla the chat I had a year ago with Killer Mike, the chat I had almost a year ago with fullfact.org, um, all really go down that political route and discuss a lot of great topics. And they're all amazing speakers. So, yeah, check them out. Um, thank you for tuning in. And I'll see you all next week. Bye.